Welcome to the podcast from Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Mackenzie campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation and our world. Good morning, good morning. How's everyone this morning? It's an incredibly good looking service, this one. Just trying to win people over already. Well, welcome. It's great to be here. Um, I need to confess something. I am one of those guys who loves cars. I, uh, a couple of years ago, I brought a Volkswagen Golf GTI, and of course, I bought a red one because, as we all know, red goes faster. Uh, and so that's it. It's good. Uh, and so I bought this car, and, and I love this car. It's a brilliant car. What first amazed me about this car was not only the performance, but the handling and the fit and the finish of the car. Uh, but you know what I discovered? I discovered that not long after owning it, just within a couple of weeks, a couple of months, the novelty of this car began to wear off. I love the car, and I still do. But the amazingness about, if that's even a word, the amazingness about that car, the novelty of that car began to wear off. Now, if you've been in church more than six weeks, six months, six years, or 60 years, this thing that we do, and, and this, this one that we remember at Easter, uh, sorry, no, at, yeah, at Easter time, uh, being Jesus in his death and resurrection, it's funny how that this this same thing that, was this, that we remember, the novelty can begin to wear off just a little bit. So this morning I'm going to preach on this, this topic of the greatest scandal ever told. The greatest scandal ever told. The story of Hosea and Goma. But before we get into it, let me just pray. Dearly Father, we thank you. God, we thank you in advance for what you're about to do. God, thank you that you're in our midst. Thank you that through your spirit and his moving in our lives and through this service. God, we thank you in faith that there's going to be people who are going to meet you for the very first time this morning. God, there's going to be many of us that the novelty of our faith that maybe has worn off at some moment in our lives. God, this morning you might reignite God, we thank you for what you are going to do. God, thank you for the many volunteers and the incredible people that go, that serve in the life of our church. God, be it the welcome team or our our kids' church leaders or our our youth worship leaders and, and all the rest of them. God, thank you for the many, many volunteers. And God, thank you especially for the coffee, for the coffee volunteers that make us coffee each morning. Uh, but God, we thank you for what you are going to do here in this service, right here and right in these moments. In Jesus' name, amen. The greatest scandal ever told. The story of Goma and Hosea. This story happened 750 years before Jesus ever steps foot on on planet Earth. Before he's ever a baby in a manger with the wild, with the wise men and the donkeys and the shepherd and with everyone else that was gathered there. 750 years before that happened, we find this story of Hosea and Goma. Now Hosea 
His job was to be a, a prophet. He was, his job was to be a spokesman on behalf of God, to go to the, 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 the leaders and the kings of various different nations and tell them what God wanted them to hear. Oftentimes it was things like turn back to God. You've got sidetracked by finances. You've got sidetracked by, by all these various different things. Come back to God. But before God calls Hosea to be a prophet, before he releases him to do those things, he asks him and he sets about and he gives him an important job. And his first job that he has to do is found in chapter 1 verse 2 and it's the goma that the Hosea is to go and get married. Now I reckon that's not a bad job. First job from God and it's set about, it's like, you know what, you know, your first job before you go and do anything else is to go and get married. And if you're not married here this morning, I reckon that, that's a pretty exciting first thing that, that we all, you know, are called to do it or possibly called to do it at some various different points. And God says to Hosea, what I want you to do is I want you to go and get married. Now, I reckon, I'm just going to put myself in Hosea's shoes for a moment. At this particular moment, I'm excited. Hosea's excited. He's like, God, that is a brilliant, that's an outstanding suggestion and commander. So what I'm going to do, God, you know what? I've already got her set up. God, she's in my life group. God, she's a worship leader at church. Pretty sure she makes coffees and volunteers in kids' church. She does a range of different things, God, and she's attractive. And God, did I tell you she's attractive? And she volunteers, like she's amazing. And God, I've already, I've already set her up. And God, this is how it's going to go. I've spent a lot of time thinking and praying through this. And God, this is how it's going to go. So what, what's going to happen is I'm going to ask her on a date one night, we're going to go for a walk. It's going to be the moon is going to be lit. There's going to be mood lighting. And then what I've got, God, I've got some, some pre-prepared chocolates for her because, you know, Ladies love chocolate, so I've got chocolates for her. And then I've got a bottle of, now being a Baptist pastor, this is the, be, the very best non-alcoholic wine, especially for her. So I've got chocolates, I've got wine. I had flowers, but I lost the flowers, so I've only got chocolate and wine. However, the best and the clincher of this is I've also got the support of Whitney Houston. Whitney Houston and the song, I Will Always Love You, which is now going to play in the background, and it's going to be that moment. We're going to be hand in hand, walking along some beach. i got flowers and non-alcoholic wine. Whitney Houston's in the background. There's the light and the atmosphere. Hand in hand. But then God has another idea. As the music fades out, God says to Hosea this. He says, actually, I know that you're all excited and I love the excitement. Actually, you know, there's a, there's a really important, can we just fade the music back up? Because there's a really important part that I just missed. There it is. While I had the chocolates and while I had the non-alcoholic wine, I also had, God, I've been working on some lines. It's some important lines. I've spent significant time praying and thinking through some lines. So God, the lines that I'm going to use to propose to my soon-to-be wife goes something like this. Hi, I'm Will. God's will. Or there's this one. How many times do I have to walk around you before you fall for me? My, my spiritual gift is my good looks. 
No, 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 wait, wait, wait. I've saved the best to last. There's two more final ones. Before I get to the final one, I'm going to do the second final one. And the second final one sounds like this. So, babe, I was reading in the book of Numbers, and I realised that I don't have yours. But wait, wait, don't just... I know the excitement if you've got a mobile phone or something, you want to take down notes of this final one, because this is special. The Bible says, bring all my requests to God. And I prayed, and you're here. See, I told you it was good. Anyway, so, but, but God has other ideas. So Hosea's maybe got slightly carried away and he's excited about this, this prospect of getting married. And God says to him, actually, I know that you might have someone in store, but I've got someone different. I've prepared someone earlier for you, but she's a promiscuous woman. And Hosea goes, come again, she's a what? God elaborates and says, she's a prostitute. I don't know about you. um, That's not what I want to necessarily hear from God. And I'm not sure if that's what Hosea was planning on hearing from God. I mean, imagine just being for a second. You're Hosea. You come to mum and dad. And you say, mum, dad, I'm getting married. And dad goes, I didn't even know you were dating, son. He goes, oh, look, it's a, it's a long story. We, you know, I'm, but I'm getting married. It's really exciting. And mum and dad go, so what's her name? And you say, her name's Goma. And they go, pardon? And they say, you say, her name's Goma. And they go, that's an interesting name, son. That's very, how does it go again? Goma. Yeah, okay, okay. And then they ask this important question. So, son, what does she do? She's self-employed. That's, 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 she's self-employed. She's got an f- entertaining kind of fancy dress, costume kind of thing going on. Uh, like, how do you sell this to your mum and dad? How do you sell this? So, mum and dad, I'm getting married. What is her name? What does she do? What do you, what would you say? What do you say when God asks you to do something that you don't want to do? It's just over three years ago and Shadi and I, my wife and I, I was on staff at another church. It was a great church. It still is a great church. And God was doing some amazing things, and we were seeing the ministries and the, and the church grow. We were seeing uh, lives changed and people coming to know Jesus. We were seeing baptisms like just this morning. We were seeing uh, our community engaged and, and having an influence and an impact in the local community. And God was just blessing all the different ministries that I was involved in and leading. And it was just one of those moments where you go, God, thank you, and you're doing a great, great work. And then I was having my quiet time one morning. I was sitting in my in the lounge room and had my Bible out. I was having my quiet time and I felt like God say that it's time to finish up and it's time to go plant a church. It's time to step out of the comfort boat into the realm that I'm calling you. So just over two years ago, we resigned from our role in our church and we stepped down in faith. We stepped out of the boat into this what we felt like God was calling to do, calling us to do. 
And can I just say with you this morning and share with you this morning that the last two years of, of, of our lives have been some of the hardest and most challenging seasons in our life. As we've had to walk away from friends and family that we counted so dear, a church that we love so dearly, and to do something that we weren't quite sure how it was going to pan out. And over the last two years, it's looked differently than what I thought it was going to look like. You know, I ended up washing cars in an underground car park for a friend who owned the company. I've worked for a swimming pool company and cleaning swimming pools and fixing pumps and doing all that side of things and not doing what I felt like God was calling us to do. Can I say that there's many moments in, in the last two years where I've, I've stood before God and I've said, God, you don't understand. God, this is not what I thought we were going to, how it was all going to pan out. God, you know what? I, I feel like if I'm honest with you this morning, I feel like God has forgotten us. That God called us to do one thing and I'm not doing the thing that I feel like you've called me to do. You see, church, following Jesus isn't always easy. And God calls us oftentimes to do things that don't make sense to normal people. But our goal in life cannot be about, they can't be about being understood by people over being obedient to what God calls us to do. See, God is, God is more concerned about our obedience than our comfort. And here we find Hosea chapter 1, verse 4. And Hosea finally, pro, 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 however you say that word, proposes to Gomer. They get married, and married life seems to be treating them well, and it seems to be in agreement with them, and and they're blessed with a baby boy and there's celebrations and there's parties and there's excitement over new life again. But then it wasn't long after this that Hosea seems to begin to be a little bit restless and she's not quite what she was and she just doesn't look at Hosea in, with the same eyes that she once did. And, and then we find a couple of verses in, in chapter 1 verse 6 where where one day Hosea, Goma comes to Hosea and says, Husband, I'm pregnant. Hosea's excited. Something to celebrate, something to party, something to be joyous over. But before he, he begins to get too excited, Goma says these crushing words, but it's not yours. In verse 8, we read that not far down the track, Goma comes to Hosea again and said, I'm pregnant again. Understandably, Hosea is a little standoffish at this point. And Goma says those same words, but it's not yours. See, for Goma, it was hard to walk away from her past. And for each and every one of us, and for me, at times, it's hard to walk away from our pasts. See, I reckon that oftentimes we can be like Goma. We can carry guilt and shame over things that we've done in the past, things that we're ashamed of, things that we carry guilt over. And we say to ourselves, and sometimes we might even say to God, God, you know what, next time it's going to be different. 
I'm never going to do that again. And then the same thing happens. And we feel guilty. And this little voice pops into our head. And it says, and you call yourself a Christian? And you call yourself a good person? You, what would everyone think? What would everyone think if they knew what you did last? What would everyone did if, think if they, if they knew what you did last week? You see, you're the only human being in the whole wide world that struggles with this sin, with this thing. Just you. Can I say, church, this morning, this is one of the devil's quickest and easiest tricks, is to try and put us in a place where we think that we, we're the only human beings alive that wrestle with sin and those specific sins that we wrestle with. But you know what? Our past has a funny way of creeping in our present and luring us back to our past if we don't deal with it. But back to Hosea. By this point, word had got out, word had begun to spread. There was rumors on the street and people were talking about this, this one, this prophet named Hosea and his wife who had an interesting job and who's been cheating on him. And now there's babies involved and there's conversations and there's whispers and there's rumors around town. Imagine what it must have been like to be Hosea. Here you are, a man of God, being asked to marry a prostitute who cheats on you multiple times and has babies. How would you feel being his shoes? In chapter 2, verses 2 through 7, we find this, this interaction between Hosea and Gomer, where he comes and he says, Gomer, this is enough. He pleased her and says, no more. This is enough. I love you and I still love you. And I've given you every opportunity and I've chose you and I love you and I will forgive you. And I've forgiven you for those couple of times and I don't know how many more, but I've still forgiven you. Stop it. Cut it out. No more. No more running off with other guys. Just me. Keep yourself for me and me alone. And he forgives her again. But then the final blow. And we don't know how this happened, but I suspect it might have been something like this. Maybe it was a note on her pillow or a conversation that, that Goma had with one of Hosea's best friends. And he said, she said, can you, tell Ho, can you tell Hosea this? And maybe the note said something like this. Hosea, I'm leaving you for good this time. I found my true love. I'm never coming back again, signed Goma. Hosea crumples in a heap. His wife, the mother to his son, his friend. I mean, after all the chances that, that he has given, after all the grace that he's extended, how many times has he looked past what she's done? The times when he's offered forgiveness and he's forgiven her once and he's forgiven her twice and he's forgiven her three times. And Hosea's friends come to her, I'm sorry, come to him. 
say, buddy, can we talk to you? We, we, we didn't want to say anything because we knew that kind of with things were on the rock and it was a bit hard, but we, honestly, good riddance to her. I mean, it's on it. after everything that you've done, look what you've done for her. Look how much you've forgiven her and look what she's done to you. You know what? This is for the best. This is for the best. We're glad she's gone. You're going to find someone better and we promise it will work out. But it's time to move on. Now, we don't know. We don't know how long... It was between when Gomer left and chapter 3, verse 1. But God says, comes to Hosea and he makes this statement and he asks Hosea to do this one thing for him. And he says this in Hosea chapter 1, Go show your love to your wife again. Though she is loved by another man is an adulteress. Love her as the Lord loves Israelite. But God, after everything she's done, after all the times that she's cheated on me and the things that she's done and I've done nothing wrong and I've offered forgiveness, you want me to go and do what now? God, you've got to be kidding. But Hosea does. The Bible doesn't record how this process happens. But I speculate that it might have looked something like this, that Hosea goes out at night to try and find Goma. And he goes to the red light districts where all the brothels were and everything else was going on. And as he walked into the streets at night, there was lines of ladies and they were offering themselves to be purchased by Hosea. Saying things like, mate, going cheap tonight and whatever else. And Hosea is trying to find, he's asking them, have you seen my wife? And they don't want to know him. He comes around a corner and there's a door to one of the brothels and a couple of gentlemen walk out of that door. And Hosea grabs out, if it had been now, grabs out his iPhone and it flicks open to a picture of, of Gomer and he runs up to one of them and says, Sir, sir, have you seen my wife? Have you seen my wife? And he looks at the picture and goes, No. He runs up to the other guy and goes, Sir, have you seen him? Have you seen him? And the guy steps back and goes, oh, I didn't know, man. Like, I, you know, like, I, I, was, I, didn't, you, I knew that you guys were an item, but I didn't know. She, didn't t- she said it was all love. I, how was I supposed to know that she was still married to you? No one told me. I mean, she didn't have a wedding ring anymore. She said it was done and dusted. I didn't, if I hadn't known, buddy, I, I, I didn't know. It was a couple of nights ago, and I haven't seen her. I, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. And he runs off. Isaiah continues walking the streets, looking, searching for his wife. He comes around the corner, and at the distance he can see a crowd of people, and there's a dim light up ahead. And he gets closest to the group of people, he realizes it's a group of guys, and in front of them is a, is a stage similar to this, and there's some poles, and there's some, some women chained to those poles, and he discovered that it was the... the the prostitution auction block where men were bidding to buy these ladies. 
And as he got closer to the stage, as he got closer to the group of people, he realized that number three was Goma. And he came running up to the auctioneer and he says, Sir, sir, number three, that's my wife, it's my wife. And he disregards him and continues the auction. And he busts in again and says, Sir, sir, you don't understand. Number three, just there, that's my wife. I want her back. Can I get her back? The auctioneer says, you'll have to buy her back. Hosea steps back, goes, sorry? Says, if you want your wife, you have to buy her back. So Hosea stands amongst the group of gentlemen. And in chapter 3, verse 2, It records that Hosea bought Goma for 15 shekels of silver and 30 bushels of barley and a measure of wine. Now that doesn't mean anything to us today, but the book of Leviticus records the price that was to be paid for a slave. And it was less than half the price of what Hosea bought Goma for. What struck me is there had to be, for that price to be paid, there had to be a bidding war. Maybe there was a couple other guys there who were like, you know what, I want her too. So there's a bidding war breaks out, I'm going to go this, and Hosea's got his hand up, I will pay this much, pay this much. A gentleman puts up his hand and bids, outbids Hosea. Someone else outbids. Hosea's trying to bid, he's trying to bid, and he's bidded again, and he gets beaten again. A bidding war over his wife. A fight to get her back. But eventually Hosea buys back his wife. Church, what a scandalous story. What what an outrageous story. What a crazy story, what a scandalous, outrageous, crazy story that we hear this morning. But you know what the greatest scandal of this story is? The greatest scandal of this story is that this is such a perfect representation of the gospel. You see, Hosea represents Jesus, and Goma represents me, it represents you. Hosea's name means salvation. Gomer's name means completion. See, we've got to understand that our our lives will never be complete without salvation. That when, when God brings salvation and completion together, the greatest scandal of its own. The scandal is this, that God wants you. And that He wants you so much that He sent Jesus. He sent Jesus down to planet Earth. He sent Jesus down to Mackenzie. But like Gomer, we reject Him and we go back to our sins and we carry guilt and shame over things. And we enjoy our sin and we, we've made decisions around that we don't need Jesus, we can do it on our own. But like Hosea, Jesus came down to planet Earth. He came down to the red light districts of my life and your life. He came down 
to the darkest, the deepest places where we carry guilt and where we carry shame. The places where we feel like no one could ever love us if, if they knew what was really going on inside. If, God, if someone knew what I'd really done, that no one could possibly ever love us yet. Yet God sent Jesus. Jesus came searching for you. And Jesus came searching for me. And like Hosea, Jesus paid a price. Whatever the cost needed to be. The bids were high. They were ridiculous. They were outrageously high. But finally, the price was set. The auctioneer was ready to put the hammer down. The price, the, de the death of an innocent person to ransom us back. That Jesus died on a wooden cross. A wooden cross like this for the junk and the sins that I've done. The things that I've carried shame and guilt over. The scandal church is this. The scandal is this that I'm not worth that and neither are you. I'm not worth the fact that God loves me and He loves you so much. I'm not worth the fact that I carry guilt and shame over things that I've done in the past that God has set me free from. That there's things in my life, in my past, there's things that I've done that I'm not worth this outrageous price, that I'm not worth this kind of scandal. I've got three kids. They're up on the screen. Allegra's in the middle. She's 11. Ruben's on the right-hand side. He's nine and Jude's three. I love my kids with everything within me. I bet I've been peed on, pooped on, and vomited on too many times. I remember as a youth pastor, I remember standing up. We just had Allegra and she was only like a couple of days old and I'm at youth ministry. And I remember I had her lying on my shoulder and I was patting her back and burping her. And, uh, and I remember it was right at that moment that I had to get on stage and preach to our high schools. And so I gave Allegra back to Shardy and I jumped up on stage and I didn't realise that Allegra had vomited down the back of my shirt and all the high schoolers thought it was hilarious and I didn't know about it. But you know, I've, I've got three kids who eat my food, who use my hot water, who take up my time and spend my money and worst of all, have started drinking my coffee. But not once have I said to them, that's it, it's over, get out of my house, that's, it's, it's not. You see, I love my kids because of their position, not because of their performance. And God wants to say to someone here this morning, He wants you to hear this loud and clear, that God loves you because of your position, not because of what you've done. That God loves you because of your position, not because of your performance. In Romans chapter 8, verses 38 and 39, it says this, For I am convinced that neither death or life Neither dangers or demons, neither the present or the future, nor the powers, nor the height. Or the I love the fact that he kind of just runs out of stuff to say. So he just says, or anything else in creation will be able to separate you 
from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The greatest scandal ever told. The scandal is this, that God wants you to belong to Him completely. That you are accepted by God, not because of anything that you did so that you can never, you will never be let go because of anything that you have done. And this is countercultural to what, how I live and how you live. You see, if we break the trust of friends, if we do something wrong against the friendship, it will either end the friendship or significantly inhibit the friendship. And yet Jesus comes to you and He comes here this morning. And He says, I love you not because of your position, but be- sorry, not because of your performance, but because of your position. The greatest scandal, the greatest scandal ever told wasn't Hosea and Gomer, but it was what God was wanting to show to you and to me this morning. That just like Gomer was found by and bought back by Hosea, Jesus was sent to earth to find you and to buy you back at such an incredibly high price. Church, and that is the greatest scandal of its own. This morning, maybe you've been brought by a friend. Maybe you've come by yourself. Maybe you've been coming for a little while or maybe this is your very first time this morning. But God brought you here on a purpose this morning because this is what He wanted you to hear about this outrageous scandal And that scandal was for you. This morning, you've come here this morning and if you're honest with yourself, you sit here and go, you know what? That might be good, but I'm not a Christian. I'm not one that has put my trust in Jesus, accepted Him, accepted the price that He's paid. Well, this morning is All of this happened just for you. So I'm going to invite everyone just to close your eyes for a moment. Because this is a moment between you and and your heavenly Father that loved you so much that He sent His own Son to die, be resurrected for you. That we can have assurance of life now, but future life in heaven. There is a purpose and a point and a hope to be found right now in this life. So this morning, if you've you've never put your faith in Jesus, if you've never trusted Him, never asked Jesus to, to be the Lord of your life, then this morning, I wanna give you that opportunity. If that's you this morning, I want you just to shoot your hand up. Well, everyone's eyes are closed. We wanted to create a moment in every service for a moment and for a person just like you. 
This morning, do you say yes to Jesus? Pop your hand up. I know it's scary. I know it can be confronting. But I can also guarantee you that this is the best decision you will ever make in your wildest dreams. This morning, is this for you? To say yes to Jesus. Just a moment longer. Yes, Jesus. One of the things I felt God encouraging us as a wider church this morning is next weekend is Easter. We're going to have amazing services full of creativity, full of hearing the gospel clearly. What a perfect opportunity to bring a friend or should I say, what a perfect opportunity to bring a goma. Who is that person in your life, be it a a family member or a friend, be a work colleague or a neighbour? Who is it that that is in your life that, that God is asking you and prompting you and putting them on your heart saying, Dave, this is your goma. Your neighbour that's going through so much, that's your goma right now. Who is it that this week we need to invite along to church? And pray and believe in faith that could you imagine with me that my neighbour and your work colleague or a mum from school or whatever it might be, how amazing the thought that they could be standing next to you is standing next to me next week. That it is, is there is an opportunity to make a decision for Jesus and they shoot their hand up and that their life begins to get turned around, that they understand there's a God who doesn't judge them and want the worst for them, but there's a God that loves them and wants the best for them. So God, right now, God, who is it that you're putting on our lives and on our hearts? God, who have you brought into our lives that is our modern day Goma, that so desperately needs you? God, just like Hosea, God, I want to pray this morning that we might be as persistent as as Hosea was. God, that we won't give up at the first no. But God, that we will continue to pray, continue to reach out, continue to step out and continue to invite that one day soon, be it next week, Lord, that they might be standing next to us and say yes to Jesus. God, I want to pray this morning. God, I want to pray for every one of us. Lord, let the novelty of what you did on the cross never, ever leave our lives. God, let the novelty of what you've done, God, never wear off. God, thank you for this scandalous story of Goma and Hosea. And let us always remember what you've done for us. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. We hope you've been blessed by this message. We are a growing family and everybody who walks through our doors is welcome. 
If you'd like to connect with us, please head to gatewaybaptist.com.au to find out more. 